Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, this is Pia Baranchini, and welcome to Everything is the Best, the podcast where I get vulnerable and make others do it with me. The goal here is to deep dive into interesting people's journeys, finding common denominators, and hopefully making you feel not so alone. So let's laugh, let's cry, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Hi, my darlings. Today's guest is Phoebe Lapine, who is an author and chef specializing in gluten-free and SIBO-friendly recipes, as well as a Hashimoto's advocate. As someone who felt like shit most of my life, I thought having Phoebe tell her story was a great way for you to perhaps get inspired to make some small changes if you're not feeling your best and maybe you don't have the time or you can't afford to go to a doctor at the moment. She has two books and her second, SIBO Made Simple, has so many recipes that I absolutely love that are flavorful, satisfying, affordable, and they do not leave you feeling bloated or tired. We discuss her journey with SIBO, various tales from both of our journeys to feeling better and much more. Well, thank you for this. Of course. I'm so excited. And thank you for the cookbook. Oh my gosh. I mean, what everyone wants, just a SIBO cookbook. Everyone's (laughs) holiday wish list. Well, I'll tell you this. I got it, what, like two days ago, three days ago or something. And went through right away and opened it up and bookmarked so many recipes instantly and have made probably like four already. What? Like I'm making your mom's detox soup tonight. I already had the green smoothie. I did the kale. What was the other thing that I made? And the green smoothie didn't scare you off. That's like an intense one. No, I eat like, I love that. Like I'm like, give me vegetables or give me death. I do too, but I'm like, Caveat, like this isn't for everyone, this smoothie. (laughs) No, I think it's really delicious. And so, and I have gone through a weird SIBO journey, you know, like most of us, I've gone through so many moments in my life where I'm bloated, I can't lose weight, I'm tired, my brain fog is like, I mean, there have been times of my life, even up to like a year ago, where at three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm crying because I just don't understand like why I'm so tired. And so I finally went to this functional medicine doctor um, whom I love. And he was like, okay, like, it sounds almost like you might have SIBO. And like most doctors will tell you just like do the low FODMAP diet anyway. Right. So, but what I learned through this process that I definitely want my listeners to understand is that getting a SIBO test sucks. 
And (laughs) because I did it and it was horrible. And it came back that like some air had gotten into the thing. So basically you like can't eat for like, you can't eat certain things for like 24 hours or something. And then you have to like blow into this tube because it really wants what, like your gut bacteria, right? Or something. Yeah. It's like basically the only thing that could be producing certain gases is bacteria. So you're essentially like clearing your canal and then drinking a sugar solution, which is like bacterial fast food. And then seeing at what intervals you get any sort of gas reading. So I did it and it was like, it, they were like, you have to do it again. And I was like, fuck this. I'll just do yeah. the SIBO diet. <laughs> yeah. It just happened to a friend of mine. I mean, also the tests just aren't that accurate. It's like an imperfect science. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of like the best that there is so far. Yeah. So most friends that I know who don't feel well and have been like gone on their journey at some point just end up doing Low, yeah. are, are told to just do low FODMAP. So I would love for you to explain that um, because I, I I also just love to provide information on here that's like, listen, if you don't feel good and like we're in COVID and like most people don't even have jobs right now, like I this know. is just something you could just do rather than spending a bunch of money trying to figure out why you're bloated. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> At the beginning of the pandemic, I was like about to launch a session of my course and I'm like, who wants this right now? And it was like the most popular session I've ever had because people were like, oh my God, well, I'm like stuck at home, like cooking yep. for myself, not socializing. Like what a time to do an elimination diet when I'm super stressed. 100%. <laughs> Everyone's at home cooking. It's not, I mean, you make it easy because when you look at the list of food to eliminate, it's very, I mean, for me, like oh. broccoli and garlic is like, fuck you. I mean, like, you're Italian, I live off miserable <laughs> <laughs> for any Italian. Absolutely. But actually, I feel like low FODMAP cooking, this is just a side note, and then I'll actually answer your question. You can have garlic if it's infused in oil. If it's oil. infused in olive oil, yes. And I don't know what Davide says about that, but I have a few Italian friends who are like, I never include the garlic in my recipe. Like, I always cook it that way. Davide will put garlic, he calls it in camiche, in the skin, in yeah. the sauce and remove it because exactly they don't use the harshness of it. So essentially mm-hmm. it is the same thing, but yeah. my American Italian ass likes to chop garlic up and put it on everything, especially exactly. broccoli, which to me is like my favorite <laughs> snack, which is just like makes a bomb go off in my stomach. <laughs> oh, are you still, are you over that? Or are you still kind of sensitive to some of these things? I'm still noticing it, especially now pregnant because when I get bloated now whilst growing a child, yeah. if I eat something that makes me really gassy, it kills me. It's Ugh. so painful. Like my there's hips like hurt. really nowhere for it there's to go. Nowhere for it to go. So I'm like, there's an atomic bomb in my body. So like I noticed that like in my favorite sweet green bowl, I had to like take out the like broccoli that I've been eating. Cause I was like, God, I'm getting like a little bloated after I eat this and like it's painful. And I was like, fuck. Is it the spicy ceviche or whatever that it's one's like called? It's like the spicy broccoli. The spicy, that yeah, like that one's adding. so good. It's so good. <laughs> so oh, I yeah. do. And then your cookbook made me happy because I was like, oh, these are recipes that are fabulous and easy to follow and I know are not going to like trigger anything in my gut. Did you know that more people are virtual dating now than before COVID? Crazy, right? With so much alone time, people are really looking to connect and find their person. And they're doing it on the dating app, OkCupid. In fact, you are 50% more likely to get into a conversation on OkCupid now compared to before lockdowns. 
OkCupid is famous for matching people on what matters most to them, from the food they like to the type of relationship they want to politics. They ask you really thoughtful and provoking questions to get to the heart of who you are and what type of person you're looking for. A whopping 93% of people on OkCupid are virtual dating right now. So it's a great time to download the OkCupid app and it's free. Meet someone great on OkCupid without having to leave your couch. Download OkCupid today. I used to care so much about portraying a perfect life and acting like everything was okay when really things were far from it. I was secretly battling anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder. So it was a lot. I am Victoria Garrick, former Division I athlete, mental health advocate, and host of RealPod. Every Wednesday, I sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, and more to talk about the inner thoughts and feelings that we're all struggling with. So leave the filters and facetunes at the door and join me on RealPod. All right. So why are we all so bloated, I guess, is the question. Um, (laughs) So first of all, for those who have no idea what SIBO is, it stands for small intestine bacterial overgrowth. And like a few years ago, I wrote this book that was about my thyroid uh, autoimmune disease. And like, I did so much research. I thought I knew everything there was to know about gut health. And, you know, it was basically just because I was kind of scratching the surface with what all these microbiome specialists were saying. And so I was like, okay, like I'm supposed to be eating beans. I'm supposed to be eating like garlic mm. and shallot and all these mm-hmm. inulin rich vegetables. I'm supposed to be like crushing kombucha and fermented foods. So, I mean, it's a funny story because I literally came out with this book and like about seven months in, you know, I was pretty stressed with the book process, pretty stressed with launch. Um, and I started to feel like these symptoms like creeping up again. And I just like kept crushing all those foods and just like going harder and feeling more and more miserable. And long story (laughs) short, I eventually got diagnosed with SIBO, um, which is essentially an issue of location, not type. So it's not necessarily that you have bad bacteria per se. It's just that it's in the wrong place, too far up your intestinal tract. And what I didn't realize in like round one of all my gut research and what I think is like kind of a problem with all this like dumbed down science in the wellness Mm. world is Mm -hmm. that like good gut bacteria, like the gut in general, like just becomes synonymous with like the large intestine, the colon without people really understanding the difference. And I certainly did. And I was like, oh yeah, like my gut like should have all this bacteria. one thing. Yeah. But in reality, like your small intestine should have very little bacteria because that's where you digest your food. And if there are bacteria there, like fighting for that nutrient resource, Mm. it's going to feast off its favorite ingredients, which are carbs for the most part, not just like carbs in the way we think of them, like rice and pasta, but like the actual like carbohydrates, the building blocks of most vegetables, like a lot of healthy things, like we were just mentioning, like broccoli. Mm -hmm. And when it's so far up, like the gas has nowhere to go. So for SIBO and, you know, the reason why the low FODMAP diet makes sense with like removing some of those foods, it's just trying to like limit those symptoms, limit the food that you're giving the bacteria. But then ultimately like the diet itself doesn't necessarily clear SIBO all the time. A lot of the time you need to like take some sort of antibacterial protocol or, you know, some herbs that do kind of the same thing. Um, But I do think it's nice. I mean, I do have a lot of friends who've done it and been able to, you know, if you do it properly and reintroduce one thing at a time have realized like, oh wait, like this one thing is very much upsetting me. 
Yeah. And so, so FODMAPs, use- yeah, FODMAPs is just an acronym for all these different carbs. And most of the time, you know, most people aren't sensitive to all of them. And if SIBO isn't your issue, if you just have IBS, it could be that you're just like sensitive to certain, like when your ratio of a certain one of those ingredients, like is too high. It's like kind of a quantity game. And I think mm-hmm. unfortunately, a lot of people, especially with SIBO who just like react to food. I mean, if you're wondering if you have IBS and you're wondering if this is you kind of like the hallmark symptom of SIBO is like location and frequency. So like that bloating is really high up and it's like an inner tube underneath your ribs, which again, if you're pregnant, it's <laughs> <must> really <laughs> suck. Um, <laughs> And it's happening all the time. It's not like a sporadic thing. Like if you eat, you, eat like, you can't quite figure out what you're eating that's causing you issues. Like with SIBO, like, cause FODMAPs are in like all plant foods. It's usually like every time you eat, you become two months pregnant or yeah. three months pregnant. And then, you know, it can dissipate like between meals. And it's really annoying and frustrating and like it affects your mood, it affects your skin, it affects everything as like all gut issues do. But with the low FODMAP diet, like it's a really painful one to go through because it's so confusing, like with that like chopped mystery box (laughs) ingredient list with like all these incredible healthy foods. But I think like if done properly and if you actually go through the process of reintroducing as you should, since like all of like the goal of a good gut diet is to eat as most as diverse a plate as possible. So Mm -hmm. you can have as diverse an array of bacteria in your large intestine as possible. You want to reintroduce those foods. And what I think it tells you is that it's figuring out like what your threshold is. So it's not like an elimination diet, like for allergies, where like, if you, you know, find you have symptoms of something, you can never eat it again. It's just like paring down the quantity. I don't know. For me, that was kind of liberating because now I eat everything, but I'm just really cognizant of not eating like an entire bowl of broccoli as a snack, but like maybe just like adding a little broccoli in, you know, to a stew or something as like a compliment or just like actually diversifying my, diversifying my plate more by adding like five different vegetables to said stew. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you have to take, were you on like a protocol? Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, is, and I, I think it's hopeful. It's like, I had a really easy SIBO story. Like it wasn't that my health was like night and day better. Um, it took like about a year to kind of like find my new normal, but there are a lot of people where it's like, it's a chronic issue. You go on like multiple rounds of herbs or antibiotics and it's crazy. I just did one and I did like an herbal compound protocol. So there are some doctors who will give you like certain individual herbs, like oregano, Allison garlic, which ironically like is a certain derivative (laughs) of garlic that doesn't cause like the reaction to the bacteria, but is just like antimicrobial or golden seals. Another one, they're like berberine herbs, or you can buy like certain brands have these complexes, which are interesting because they also tackle antifungals as well. And a lot of people who have SIBO also have a fungal overgrowth because it's like the same mechanisms that Mm. cause that like stagnation in the small intestines can cause a growth, an overgrowth of any kind, basically. Um, So yeah, I did that protocol and, you know, it's really miserable. Like the herbs are not innocuous. They're not easy. Like I had probably more symptoms while I was on them. And then I kind of hit a plateau and was a little bit better. And I layered in the low FODMAP diet. So like I was limiting my symptoms as much as I could while like still quote unquote feeding the bacteria so that they could be killed. 
And yeah, then it just like took me a while. Like, I feel like a lot of my old food fears came back. It just took me, like, I was really slow in reintroducing and I was very nervous about it. And I think eventually it was like, once I just like kind of tapered on these small quantities of certain things, I just reached a point where I was just like, fuck it. And that, then I just started eating everything and just like ignoring the symptoms. And then honestly, like that's when I kind of started to feel healed. Just like, yeah, of course. stop. Like I got out of my head about the whole thing. And I know that's, that's like, also a huge part of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think my advice for SIBO people who like can't afford a doctor or like don't want to do the diet or anything. I'm like, why don't you just like tackle like the mental side of things? Like try hypnosis, hypnotherapy, um, just meditation. try therapy, therapy, meditation, yeah. <laughs> like literally anything to just kind of tweak our, our mindset. Cause unfortunately like stress and anxiety, I mean, they have real, a real impact on the body, but in particular, like a proven impact on certain things that contributed to SIBO. So like one of them is low stomach acid and mm-hmm. that's like how we neutralize all the bacteria coming in through our nose and mouth every single day. I mean, that's just like a natural barrier that was put into place And if you don't have enough stomach acid, as a lot of women don't, because low thyroid hormone also equates to low stomach acid and just like, and stress (laughs) equates low stomach acid. And then also, you know, it can affect just the the mechanics of your small intestine itself, like this street sweeper wave that's supposed to push through, push food on through or kind of clean the decks after a meal. When that breaks down, that's kind of like the number one reason why people get SIBO. Yeah, these things just all layer on top of each other. Oh, yeah. It's all a vicious cycle. I put a lot of like little flow charts in the book because <laughs> like every, like SIBO equals XYZ and XYZ also equals SIBO. Like it literally, it's always a chicken or the egg, especially like with any, like SIBO is technically an inflammatory condition. I have an autoimmune disease. There's like a huge overlap yeah. with anyone with thyroid problems or an autoimmune disease or any sort of inflammatory I mean, so condition. many people have an autoimmune at this point oh, yeah. too. And most girls I know are like, oh, I have a, like I have IBS and anxiety. And I'm kind of like, and my response always is like, have you tried to not be depressed? <laughs> because yeah. that might fix your stomach problem. When Davide and I started dating, I had a lot of work stress. And then he was stressing me out because we kept like breaking up and getting back together. And the whole thing was so <laughs> intense. And then my dad was sick. There was like a lot of these layers. And I was kind of just moving through the motions of these like very high intense emotions, like highs and lows on like a daily basis. And it imploded when we were in New York one time. I, my, I had like an, a huge ulcer attack. And for Ugh. two days was just debilitated. It was like really intense. You know, like the high, like an ulcer is like a very yeah. high, consistent, sharp pain mm. and had to go to... We had, I had to go to fucking urgent care because I was like keeled over Ugh. and I was like, this is so embarrassing. Like, That's no fun in New York. <laughs> no. And it's like no. no fun. And with him and then I'm... And he's like, felt so bad. And then I, and the doctor was like, you're just stressed. And he's like, why? Like stress does this to you? Like what? Like, and I was like, yeah, stress is that to me. Like, and, and it really, you know, it has always been like, I've had ulcers on and off my whole life. Like, do I have IBS? Do I have SIBO? Do I have a parasite? Do I have a fungal yeah, overgrowth? I know. And so I've done all these things. And I know what it's like to, I'm sure the C, like what you went through with SIBO was the same thing I went through when I did like a parasite elimination because you're like, eating the parasite and as it's Ugh. dying, it's like giving off this gas in your body. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like really so I was married at this point, like through my SIBO <laughs> protocol. Cause like my whole first book was like 
the like narrative arc was like me trying to do all these health experiments while like just getting into a new relationship with my now husband and just like (laughs) still like clinging to like the cool girl persona, but yet like having to do all these like very uncool things. Um, Try like having a gluten allergy, dating an Italian. Yeah. Eat it, having him cook you pasta and then try to have like look like you're having a fun time having sex while you're like keeled over, <laughs> like so bloated, trying to suck in. Like, I'm just like this fun, cool girl who can eat whatever yeah. I want. Slash, oh, yeah. like, I'm going to die. <laughs> oh my God. Well, they make the best gluten free pasta in Italy. Thank God. I know. Oh, I totally feel like the first time, like, what my husband and I call our infatuation weekend. We didn't start dating for like a few months after, but I ended up just like through friends of friends going to stay at his mom's house in Rhode Island. And I didn't really know him. And at the time this was like, kind of like right before I started my quote unquote wellness project, which we can get to as my last book. But, um, I was like detoxing from the pill, having been on it for 10 years. And I was literally having these menopausal hot flashes slash like explosive diarrhea and yet trying to like be the cool girl that weekend. So obviously (laughs) like drank too much was like, I'll have a piece of flag cake, even though I had been (laughs) gluten free for a few years. And I literally ended up like, this was the image. There's an actual picture of it. There was like, an ice pack like strapped to my chest through my bikini bikini top. And I was just like in the fetal position for an entire day in this person's bed, in Charlie's bed, like platonic, like it was just because it was like the only place to be. And I was like too, in too much pain to even be embarrassed. But it was like, I was like sweating all over. It was disgusting. And Charlie came in at one point and was like, can I get you some Pepto? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That was love. That's love right there. Pepto, which I used to like keep in my center console and just chug. Like, so not good for you. So what do you think is the best way? Because I'm sure now that we're talking about this, I'm, and I can hear listeners in my head being like, maybe you're like too concerned with all of this stuff. Maybe none of this should fucking matter. Maybe you going on all of this is like creating more of an issue. You know what I mean? Like I have so many friends who are like, if you just eat a little bit of everything in moderation, like you're going to be fine. Like, which I think is Europe, you know? So essentially yeah. what, like, you know, if someone is constantly bloated, feeling with, you know, all these symptoms that most people feel, I don't know. Do you want to like explain a little bit about your journey and maybe kind of like what yeah. is like an easy thing, accessible way to kind of come up with kind of find solutions. And I, and I, and I also don't want to trigger anyone because like we're not doctors, but I also know people don't feel good and a lot of people don't have access to doctors. Yeah. Um, Well, I would say that there are a lot of first steps you can take before ever approaching a diet. And I think that's really important because I mean, so many women have like really troubled relationships with food as I do. And I think Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that, you know, so many holistic practitioners who are amazing and like seafood as medicine, you know, it's like kind of the flip side to that approach is that a lot of people are just getting these elimination diets pushed on them who maybe don't have a perfect relationship to food. And I think Mm. the mental monkeying that can be a byproduct of that can really be like more harmful than whatever the ingredients are. So I'm completely with you and the camp that's like, is all doing all these things, like potentially causing more issues. Absolutely. Definitely for a lot of people. 
So I think like in terms of the SIBO stuff, what it really made me understand that is, is that it's like so much more important how we're eating than what we're eating. And like, there's some basics to that, that like you've heard a million times, like don't eat right before you go to bed and like lie down, like Mm -hmm. try and like eat mindfully. And I'm not even talking about that stuff. Like there are just more to the mechanics of it. Like if you have a really like fucked up gut, if like your gut is just really weak, you have leaky gut, like you just like really aren't processing things very well. Like you look in the toilet and like your salads right there, you can like identify all the ingredients of your yeah. <laughs> just salad or your sweet green. Um, yeah, Which I'm always good. like, did my body digest that food at all? No, you did like, not. No. You did not. So like step one for that person, like you just want to focus on cooked foods, like anything that's broken down before it actually gets to your intestines. Like if you, again, like have a lot of these mechanics that just aren't working properly, like stomach acid or like any of the basic like digestive juices in your small intestines too, like that's going to give you a leg up automatically. And sure, you can take digestive enzymes, you can take all these things, but like I'd say step one for those people like, and it costs zero money is to just cook your damn food, obviously chew it, but most people don't do that either. So again, like puree it first, (laughs) cook it. Um, because like the raw foodists of the world, like argue that you're like cooking out the nutrients. But again, like if you're not processing the food itself, like you're not going to, you're not getting it. I felt so sick once when I lived in New York and my default is always to go to a Chinese doctor. And I just (laughs) went to this like angel man in Chinatown that someone had told me was great. And he was like, are you eating a lot of raw food? And I was like, mm-hmm. yes. And he's like, how often? And I was like, well, I have like, yeah, I like have salad all the time. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, have you ever seen a Chinese person eat a salad? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no. And he said, cook your vegetables. <laughs> yeah, no. And it's a really simple thing that people forget. The traditional guidance with fertility has been just wait and see. And if you know my fertility story, you know that that was kind of a personal nightmare for me. We have the tools at this point to help us plan for everything in our lives, wellness, finances, careers, school. So why is fertility still a wait and see situation? And that's why I am such a huge supporter of modern fertility. Modern fertility was created to solve this problem. It is the easy and affordable way to test your hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you will get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the exact same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash Pia, you can get $20 off your test. Also, if you have an HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on Modern Fertility. You'll get insight to how many eggs you have, your hormone levels, and other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next step, which is really helpful when you want to bring these results to your doctor. If you want kids today or maybe even just one day in the future, you need the information that is your right to have to make the decision that is best for you. So right now, Once again, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash Pia. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at the doctor's office. 
Go to modernfertility.com slash Pia. That's modernfertility.com slash Pia. And then the second thing is, and this isn't intermittent fasting, though. That is one approach. It's one approach that like maybe for women like gets taken a little bit too far, but like kind of the more basic concept behind that is just meal spacing. So Mm. I think understanding this mechanism called the migrating motor complex in our small intestine, which is that kind of street sweeper wave I mentioned, understanding that more and also understanding that that like that going you know, astray is the reason why people get SIBO for the most part Mm. has like changed the way that I approach my meals. So this thing only kicks in during a fasting state of 90 minutes or more. So if you're a big snacker, even if you're eating like healthy snacks, like almonds or what have you, or broccoli, cooked broccoli, (laughs) um, you're still not giving like your machinery time to kick Mm -hmm. into gear and to actually digest your meals. And I don't know, I feel like there's so much, like even in the healthy food aisle, like like our culture, particularly like in this country, is just like so addicted to snacking. And I just, I don't know. It's just like not necessary. It's like, not, this is an American, <laughs> this is an American made mechanism. Yeah, this is not it's a consumer driven. It's a consumer driven <laughs> entirely because also, by the way, like most nutritionists that you go to who are like well-versed nutritionists will say like, eat your three meals. Yeah. Like only eat when you're hungry, mm-hmm. let your body digest its food. And like, yeah. I mean, I'm, my husband does not eat snack. He's didn't no. do that till he moved here. You ate your food, you digested your food and then you did your activity and then you went and ate food again. Yeah. So that, yeah, and that, it's not necessarily just like stop snacking, but like, just think about it and eat bigger meals. Like I, I think especially women just like don't eat big enough meals and then they like are forced to reach for those snacks and just mm-hmm. go through like the whole mayhem in your head of like <laughs> battling that hunger. Well, you're also told for so long that like, it's good for your metabolism to graze throughout the day. Yes. Yes. Not for your, not if you're prone to SIBO. And, I think if, for some and for some people, people that's great. If yeah. your body's working fine. Yeah. Yes. But if you don't feel well, I definitely don't think. Yeah. That serves anyone. Yeah. So those are like my two, like first basic recommendations. And then like the third, this like does require a doctor, but I do think that like hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's like is an epidemic. Like it really is the synthetic hormone that's prescribed for Hashimoto's. Uh, Synthroid is the most prescribed medication in America. Mm. So just keeping that in mind, I think it's like one in eight women have a thyroid issue. I also didn't quite really wrap my head around until doing research around SIBO, like the connection between thyroid hormones and like the function of the gut. So if you don't have enough thyroid hormone, you're also not going to produce enough stomach acid. You're mm-hmm. not going to absorb B12. And if you don't have B12 in circulation, the migrating motor complex is not going to work. So then the ironic thing too, is that if your gut is in bad shape, you're not going to be able to even convert medication you're taking, which is the inactive T4 hormone into the active one T3, because you need like your gut to actually be in decent shape mm-hmm. and to have good nutrients to make that happen. So again, that's like another like SIBO vicious cycle, but it's something that I think about a lot because I was so resistant to going on medication for my Hashimoto's. Like, I don't know, I guess like being raised by like a, 
like homeopathic, naturally minded. Yeah, you assume that you like, you're failing. That's like, yeah, it felt like a crutch that I just like could not lean on. And I was also like told, of course, by my doctor that I'd have to be on it for the rest of my life, which is like not the way to get me to do anything. (laughs) But I just stubbornly didn't take anything for about five years. And I dug myself into such a hole that would have never happened had I just used the crutch of the medication. And I think understanding SIBO and like kind of what was going on with my gut, I understand why, because I was just like perpetuating that cycle of like nutrient deficiency and leaky gut and just like all the, and SIBO, like who knows, I may have had SIBO like at other points in my journey and just like not known it. I certainly had IBS. So I, I mean, and that's kind of my blanket recommendation too. And it can go for, I'm not like a big pharma person, but like, if you need like some drugs to get you like out of a real, like deep, dark place, like Mm -hmm. do it. Like it's not a forever necessarily. And like given the gut brain connection and that serotonin is produced in the gut. And I don't know, just all these things are so related that I think anywhere that you can get a little help, if you really need it, like if you're really like hitting your rock bottom, like just do it. That's why uh, Parsley Health is such a great option for people because it really is an affordable way to have access to a functional medicine doctor who will say, these are the medications that you really should take. And our goal is to keep, you know, put you on them for only the recommended amount of time needed and then get your whole body in balance. Because your thyroid, I mean, and I've learned this through like balancing my hormones, like then your hormones are like everything. Your body wants to work so properly. It's like so great. Like mother nature's grace is just unimaginable. And so it really just like when one thing is off, I don't think we all realize like how much everything is off. And for women in particular, I mean, that's like why women get gut issues more than men. That's why women are more bloated than men. Like actually like 75% of all IBS cases and like, by extension, SIBO cases are women, but it's because of like the hormone component. We're like such finely calibrated <laughs> machines mm-hmm. and there's so much in our modern world that's like throwing our hormones into disarray. And that just like has downstream effects. Like even like estrogen dominance is a big risk factor for SIBO because like- That's what I can't, am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's cortisol tough. is made- this is what I learned from Elisa Vetti that like your body makes cortisol from using progesterone. Yeah. So if you're like constantly stressed out and using your cortisol, then you become, I mean, I was estrogen dominant most of my life. Yeah. But it's also, it ties back to like the digestive system, the mm-hmm. gut as a whole, which includes the liver. Um, if your liver is like not functioning properly, like you're going to have estrogen dominance, like duh. And that like affects your migrating motor complex too. And, and your ability to convert your thyroid hormones and all of that jazz. <laughs> and how did you come to writing a book about, or multiple books now? Because oh my God. like compiling that information and then, and then getting to the point where we're like, oh, I'm well-versed enough in this where like I can speak on it must be interesting process. Well, I mean, I have imposter syndrome just like the rest of everyone. So <laughs> this is like the beginning of the, the book process for this one. And like, you're helping me through it. Thanks. Um, so the last one was really, I was just like so frustrated. I kind of found myself like, again, in that like unfortunate, like, conflict between like Western medicine, like conventional medicine and like holistic medicine. Whereas like Mm -hmm. the Western medicine doctor was just telling me to like take the medication. Mm -hmm. And then the holistic doctor was giving me like a laundry list of like 
everything that I need to change. Like I had to like throw out my entire like furniture in my apartment and like replace everything with like unbleached cotton. And, you know, it's just like, you can get crazy on the wellness <laughs> side of things. Like the laundry yeah. list was so overwhelming. I was like in my mid twenties. I was like, I can't afford this shit. Like I can barely afford like the supplement protocol. Yeah. And they're right like, now. get internet out of your house. And you're like, yeah, that's going to work. Yeah. I'm like, I live in a studio apartment, bitch. Like where am I going to put a So I also like, I used to work in big beauty. Like I just like the process was like switching my bathroom products to naturals, like which I have done. Like it was all just like kind of painful Mm -hmm. and expensive. So I just kind of felt like had this like aha moment or come to Jesus moment, what have you, where I was just like, I was not agreeing, agreeing with like either side of the aisle. I was like, I need to find like my own like middle ground going forward. And I kind of like defined this like, barometer of what I call healthy hedonism, which is like where the Venn diagram meets of like the things that nourish your body and the things that feed your spirit. And so I designed this like whole year long protocol of like kind of tackling like one wellness problem area at a time per month. I'd like just do like one or two changes and focus on those. And then like the idea wasn't for it to necessarily be like cumulative and like turn my life up upside down. Like it wasn't like a gimmick. Like I was actually going to be like, is this worth it? Like, did Mm -hmm. I see enough physical gains for me to incorporate this or did it actually like bring me genuine pleasure? Because Mm -hmm. I do think like in that insane, like wellness, holistic laundry list, like there's too much for us to do like all of the above, but there's also so much that I genuinely think that there's enough that you can find the five things or however many things that like genuinely make you happy and like fulfill your life and just like shame-free, like get rid of the rest. Yeah, totally. So that was kind of like, my year long quest to do just that. And I like made it like a series on my site. I'd been blogging for God, a, a bunch of years before that. I was like an early adopter of the blog movement. I was mm. a blogger back in 2008. And I also like, I knew I wanted to write a book. I was like very terrified to do it, but I think it was just like, I wanted to write something that like I personally needed. And I just felt like a lot of the doctor's books, not that they were like preachy or unrealistic, although like a lot of them were, but I personally kind of like learn better from hearing other people's stories and like Mm -hmm. the compliment sandwich of like a tip being like, plunked in the middle of like a story about like getting diarrhea at your boyfriend's house. So (laughs) that was what I want, what I set out to do. (laughs) (laughs) The recipes in the SIBO book are fucking. Thank you. Well, that's my comfort zone. Like I make a living, I've made a living for the last decade as a personal chef in New York and a caterer and Mm -hmm. a recipe developer and like really on like the food side of the space. So that was also kind of the thing and like the, the pain point in my life slash that I write about in my first book was like, becoming gluten-free and like just changing any part of my lifestyle that involved like food and alcohol. Like it was very much like a crushing thing for like a, a really young career in a certain field. And then obviously for like the social reasons and trying to be a cool girl in New York. <laughs> Wait, do you not drink? No, I do. I do. Yeah. But you I do. Haven't, like, bit, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I go through phases though. Like I'll, I'll take like long breaks. Like this month I'm going to take a break. Which I think is like very healthy in general for your body to have a break. Yeah. Well, that was my first experiment was, it was a liver month and I Mm -hmm. gave up alcohol, sugar and caffeine, like all added sugar. And it was so intense and crazy, but I don't know, this will probably resonate with some listeners, but one of my big pain points, like 
in terms of symptoms was I had horrible perioral dermatitis, which is like this rash around your nose and mouth that is just like impossible to cover up. That happened to a girlfriend of mine at like mid during like this huge cleanse she was doing and she got that. Well, that's interesting. Well, I suspected that it was like, I don't know. Or I went to some healer who was like, it's your liver. She was like like, detoxing off something. That's very interesting. I wonder what was going on there. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's like every dermatologist I saw, I had it for basically a decade and I just like go to the dermatologist, they give me an antibiotic. I take it and go away. Yeah, She would go on steroids and it would go away and then it would come back. A year later, it would come back. And like, I reached a point where like I would take the antibiotic and it'd be gone for like a month. And then it would come back and then I take another antibiotic and like, it was literally like, it was just killing your gut. It's killing my gut. And like, I kept asking the dermatologist, I'm like, well, like what is wrong here? Like there's gonna be a reason why this exists. And she's like, well, there's just something out of balance in the body. And that is right. But like she had no desire to investigate what that was. So I did this month detox. I was like such a simple detox. I didn't take any like added supplements. I literally just like kind of got out of my own way. And I kid you not, my perioral dermatitis went away and I've never gotten it again. I couldn't Isn't believe wild? it. But I think, you know, some of us are just like so sensitive and I'm definitely one of those people that like, I just needed like a hard stop. And sometimes like in winter and like, I don't like go outside that much, so I don't wear my mask that much. But, you know, a lot of people, I, I get messages from like are having perioral dermatitis because of the masks. Mm. like around this time, like I can sometimes feel it cropping up, but then it's like, I just know to like dial it back a little bit. Like I just pay attention to what I'm eating and like stop drinking for a week. And the sugar, I think the sugar is actually the number one trigger for me personally and caffeine. I don't do well with caffeine either. So yeah, those three things I like obviously reincorporated back into my life, but there, I just like pay attention to them now. And it's like pretty incredible what, I mean, of those three, I would actually say the alcohol is the least big of an issue for me personally. I think it's different yeah. for everyone. Like, you know, it's like, unless you have like a serious hangover, you don't really, or like an actual alcohol problem, you don't really feel, you know, a withdrawal, but like with caffeine and sugar, like you really feel a withdrawal. Like I had a sugar withdrawal for like two weeks that crushed me that first time. I've never been a sugar person. Thank God. Like if you had to tell me to stop eating salts, I would probably just like jump off a cliff. But like, even my husband today was like, you don't like, like, I don't, I I'm not even like, I don't even eat fruit. Like I have to force myself to eat fruit. I hate fruit. I'm with you. I don't like sugar by any means. It's not something I crave. If I want something sweet, I'll grab raspberries and some dark chocolate with like no sugar in it. Like that's my, but I went off caffeine before it stopped serving me. And I went off caffeine before, I think it's part of the reason why I got pregnant. Everything regulated my anxiety decrease tenfold. And now I'm drinking a shot of espresso every day um, because it's, I'm tired because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's helping me <laughs> and, I'm, that, yeah. and I don't mind and it's okay. You know, I'm, I only have a shot of espresso. I'm keeping my caffeine low. I'm not having it in the afternoon. I have it with fat in the morning and a smooth, yeah. you know, I'm being like really smart about it. But I do think that we all have this like such intensity to the, like, the things that we ingest all day long. 
and to break away from that and have to be like stuck with these feelings, even dumb stuff like not eating, you know, even saying to yourself, I'm not going to have a salad every day. Like I'm going to cook my, like it rocks your world so much. Totally. And I think it's a really good discipline and challenge for people to, you know, maybe I'm just going to go off caffeine for a month and see what happens. And who knows how you'll feel. And so I do off the back of my book, I have a course now called four weeks to wellness. And it's like, kind of just like all the things I learned just like packed into a month. But the first week, all you do is what I call the vice detox, just the no alcohol, caffeine, and sugar. And it's fascinating. Like I genuinely love taking people through this exercise and like hearing their results. People are always surprised by which one in the trio affects Mm. them the most. But I'd say that like the biggest learnings are that emotional attachment, just like, why am I reaching for this even? And then also I'd say like the reaction of people in their life. Cause you really, and I experienced this when I was making all these changes, like you really start to notice like the friends who are just like going to project their own food shit onto you. And like, Mm -hmm. it's not even food shit. I don't know. It's just like weird just their own weird insecurities. Well, it's like if someone tells you they're vegan, like my response is always like, well, I only eat meat that's from like Belcampo and like a local farm. And like, I'm O negative. And like, I can't (laughs) eat legumes. And so without meat, like you're, you're like making these excuses for, it's like, you're okay to just do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. We're all learning that (laughs) slowly, slowly. Do you want to tell us a couple of your favorite recipes? From the book? Yeah. My God. It's like, I need to have this answer pre-prepared, but sure. I'll do a few that come to mind. There's um, a spaghetti squash pad thai. That's really good. That's like my ultimate comfort food. It does not taste like normal pad thai, but all the flavors I'd say like really satisfy that for me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like very limey. Um, The texture of the spaghetti squash is obviously like not rice noodles, but (laughs) (laughs) what can you do? But I do think that it really satisfies that like Thai flavor craving. So I love that one. And let's see, you're making my, my mom's green detox soup, which is like that recipe was actually in my first cookbook, like a variation of it. It's just like stuck with me for years. And it's just like the simplest thing. It's just, like zucchini chard and chicken broth Mm -hmm. Uh, oh and a whole bunch of cilantro so i mean you got the leafy green cilantro is like a really good chelating agent so that's why i call it the green detox soup but it's like 10 times better for you than like drinking a green juice like anyone who's drinking a green juice this january just like switch to the green detox i know what i made i post the smoothie yesterday i did a variation of it i added romaine in there because i like love romaine and and someone was like, you didn't juice that? Why did you use the whole vegetable? And I was like, that's where you get all the fiber and the nutrient. Like if you yeah, eat yeah, yeah, a yeah. whole vegetable, blend it up. It's like everyone was so confused and just juice everything. And I was like, why would I get rid of half of the vegetable? No, make the green smoothie. Yeah, well, it's yeah. like basically the green smoothie in the book is basically like a juice, but in a smoothie yeah. form. It's like all vegetables. Yeah. Um, and I like it. It's not for everyone. <laughs> a little intense. I like it too. I think it's delicious. And if, if someone's weird about it, add... Can you have banana on Siba? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's weird about it. I would add half a frozen banana in there and make it a little creamy. Totally. Let me see. Actually, the cover recipe is really delicious. It's an African or West African like yam and peanut stew. And you can kind of like throw any vegetable into that one. It's like got wilted spinach and a little bit of peanut butter and curry paste and turmeric. I haven't really tried to like 
borrow from a lot of different cultures for this book. Cause I think people just get into these ruts, like on restricted diets where they're just like eating like a plain chicken breast and salad or, yeah. or wilted greens, whatever. <laughs> um, but they're just, I mean, I think pretty much like most cultures outside of this country, like use incredible anti-inflammatory ingredients and like are more apt to use like protein as an accent versus as the main course, Mm -hmm. like, and just like layer in all these incredible spices. And that's just like, I don't know, for me, it's like, I feel like I read these nutrition, nutritionist recipes for low FODMAP food or like quote unquote anti-inflammatory food. And they're just so sad and uninspiring. Mm -hmm. And well, that's what I really have to say about your book, Phoebe is like, Every recipe, I was like, fuck yes, this is going to be delicious. They're so so full. The tahini kale last night was so good. Was fabulous. It was wonderful. And and I I could feed it to my husband. You know, like it's food that you can feed to everyone because it's delicious. It's not, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice by any means. I mean, I literally tested, I hate like just like testing massive amounts of food and just like having it for me and my husband. So like, I usually test these recipes back in, back in the before times when we were hosting friends over for dinner mm-hmm. and no one had any idea there was no garlic or onion or like yeah. no one had any idea there was no like blank in anything. Like yeah, it just totally. tasted delicious. And that's the key. And I don't know, I hope like that brings me great pleasure. Like when I get messages from people who talk about that, like, and who have like kids and, and partners who are like actually willing to eat their like quote unquote diet food. Cause I, I don't know. I think there's just a lot of people out there who are just insecure about using vegetables and spices and just like, I don't know, just like well, switching it up. Yeah. I eat a lot of green vegetables, especially now that I'm pregnant. Like, listen, the other day I was like, I really need a bacon, egg and cheese biscuit from McDonald's. I have not had one since I was in eighth grade. Oh and, my God. And it's something and like we drove by McDonald's and I was like, it, it's happening. I was like, turn the car around. Good for you. And it tasted so good. And then it made me feel so sick. (laughs) But I was like, okay, fine. That was like delicious. And I'm happy that I did that. And you know, like every, but I'm making sure that I'm packing my diet every day with so many leafy green vegetables. Like, because if I'm uptight about this, my kid's going to be weird. You know what I mean? Like it's about adding, not taking away. So long as you can focus on the adding, like you're golden. And so to be able to have so many recipes that are delicious and interesting and like switch up the way in which like I ingest these vegetables has been wonderful because I've been making kale the st- like the two same way since the beginning of COVID. And my husband's <laughs> like, I cannot eat this like sauteed kale anymore. <laughs> like you got, so last night I was like, it's here's a new kale. <laughs> oh my God. Great. Well, I'm kind of with you. It's like, I OD'd on all these recipes a year ago yeah. and now I've kind of like gotten into my, my quarantine rut of other things. And so I'm actually like pleasantly surprised too, to be like breaking out the cookbook and making things again that I haven't made in a while. I just um, posted a butter chicken recipe. It's actually mild and creamy, butterless, butterless chicken. And I apologize for like the appropriation of all these cuisines because like it is, you know, a SIBO diet, like these are not authentic versions, but it's nice like for the people who like truly cannot get takeout or like go and have authentic Indian food Mm -hmm. to have these things. Um, But anyway, it like takes out a lot of the spice that you'll find in like a normal butter butter chicken. There's no heavy cream. And yeah, it's just like kind of flavored with a little bit of lemon juice to make up for like, I don't know, the tang of the yogurt that's sometimes whisked in. And I don't know, it's just really satisfying good. And like, 
ghee instead of actual butter, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know. I think healthy fats are also like such a great thing for people with gut issues to pay attention to, because again, it's like one of the reasons why I think in the nineties we had so many nutrient deficiencies was because we ate so much that sugar fat and, diet. Yeah, and like had no fat to absorb our vitamins. Oh my God. <laughs> we, my mom used to get thinking it was healthy for me. Like, you know, cause at school food was so bad and whatever. And like all the kids were like thin, but ate like shit. And I was always like in and out of being like 30 pounds overweight. And so we would go to the store and we'd get these like hundred calorie snack packs oh, that were, I remember, and it would be like a, <sighs> like a, it would be like a collab with the originator of, say it was like Chips Ahoy or something, uh-huh. but it would be like the shitty, it would be like a hundred calories. But it would be these like hundred calorie snack packs where yeah. it would be like, this is Chips Ahoy, but they were like kind of Ugh. like very airy and just yeah. made out of, you know, and, and there was this like little chocolate wafers I would eat. And like, and I Googled it the other day and like looked at the ingredients in there. And I was like, this is poison. Like I it was eating like poison thinking that I was cutting calories and like going to be healthy. Yeah. Totally. I should have just had an apple. Oh yeah. I mean, you should have just had the McDonald's McMuffin. I, mean, I should have just had that. <laughs> so there's like something in there, maybe egg. I don't know. Yeah. Questionable. Okay. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Cause I feel like I eat certain things like that. I used to love and like my taste buds have changed. Like I just like don't even enjoy it anymore. Like certain yeah. things just like taste synthetic to me and I'm bummed totally. out. Like I, I want to enjoy, I like want to indulge sometimes in like, you know, the nostalgia at least. Well, that was, and, I was, I was totally shocked because it tasted like how I remember <laughs> it. Taste. I, but also when you're pregnant, everything tastes really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom was a vegetarian for 14 years before she was pregnant with me and it's never gone back. But she says, I was like kicking her just like eat a burger, eat a Burger. Yeah, that happens to so many pregnant women. They'll go in and out of being, or or vice versa. They'll stop eating meat, which I think is really yeah. interesting. Okay, Thanks. so where can people find you? Oh, okay. Well, I'm on Instagram at Phoebe Lapine, just my name. And there is a site for the book now called SiboMadeSimple.com. Easy peasy. And oh, I, I don't remember when this episode is coming out, but I'll mention it anyway. If you order before January 18th, I'm doing a five-day free gut heal boot camp. It's just like a daily email with some like really easy things to try on for size and a Facebook group. And I did it in October for everyone who pre-ordered the book at that point. They're like really, really early birds. And it was so fun. Like it was a really great group of women struggling with IBS and SIBO, (laughs) but like just like a wonderfully supportive community. So we're going to do it for round two, January 18th. If you Perfect. I will. Yeah. All of that information in the bio, because this will be out before then. Awesome. Great. A great then, way yeah. to start the new year. Recipes, feedmephoebe.com. That's it. That's me. Cutest name. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. Of course. I've been so excited about it, especially because we have such good mutual friends. I know. <laughs> we even talked about him. <laughs> I know. Shout out to Hillary and Keith. All right. Happy new year. You too. So great to see you. You too. Bye-bye. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao.